0: Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon, and together with my husband, Marcus Dillon, we lead Who's Really the Boss podcast, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. So today we're talking about?
1: Uh, So today we're talking about people that should niche, is it niche, niche, down? What do you say?
0: I say niche.
1: Niche. Okay. I usually say niche. Um, So niching down, you know, whether they pick one or they want to stay general. I think this is something that a lot of people have fears about and uh, we'll talk talk into that today.
0: Yeah. And I often hear the riches are in the niches. So that rhymes? Right, so that, that's a saying. Riches that's in the a niches? Yeah, yeah, that doesn't, that that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work, right? Yeah. So riches in the niches. Um, but also have heard from very successful business owners that did not niche down, oh, yeah. that their services were for the general population. So it most likely depends on industry, obviously, also, would depend on what type of services, maybe what area, and how you provide services. Those are probably all huge considerations before you say, "Well, if the niches are, if the riches are in the niches, then I have to niche down." I don't think that that's a blanket statement that you can put across, even in a even an in industry like accounting industry.
1: Sure, maybe it's not niche, maybe it's narrow. That's right. So let's narrow the focus. Let's uh, zoom in. Let's dial in. Whatever you want to say there. So in your example, you had um, you know shared a story with me about somebody that stayed very general, but in actuality, they were pretty narrow in the services that they provided. They were only one way to do those services. Their process. They served a larger general population but you can only work with them a certain way so they stay narrow in that sense
0: yeah absolutely and i would say for for us at dba niching down was very helpful because i was doing the prospecting so i was talking to the prospects and what i found was in the beginning when i started with the firm Every time someone would call, I would have to say, can I put you on hold for a second? And then I would ask you, do we do this service? Do we do this? Do we do this for this type of company? Do we do this in this way? Like, who's going to do it and how are we going to do it? And that was every single prospect call, unless it was an individual tax return. Then I knew the answer was yes, if they could afford the minimum preparation price, then yes, we can help you. Uh, That was in the very early days. When we decided to identify an ideal client, Hmm. when we decided to identify an industry and even figure out what our services were going to be, so many fewer questions. I didn't have to ask. I knew immediately I could make the yes or the no, make the referral or start kind of like the prospecting questions.
1: Sure. And I think that's needs to be clearly defined if really to protect the owner from committing to too much or to help the person who is that gatekeeper to know what should be filtered through. So that's that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, so part of the reason to niche down, like you said, is to be able to focus and to narrow that focus versus all of the opportunities that exist worldwide right Mm because now it's a global economy you could do worldwide work if you really wanted to and part of the hang-up that people have on establishing a niche is do I pick the wrong one how many do I go with Um, there's different concerns that I've heard of maybe you have a couple as well but those are pretty much you know the main thing what if I pick the wrong one or what if I get into it and I don't like how that is becoming. Um, so is there anything else that you've heard as far as an excuse on why people don't choose a niche?
0: Um, yeah, no, I would say mostly, mostly what if I choose the wrong one and they have a downturn in their industry, Yeah, for example, like real estate, oil and gas, or construction, like home builders. So those feel like very relevant in our current market. Um, and if that's who you serve, then what do you do when they're strapped for cash?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Everything's a, Everything is an experiment. Um, so you test things. What I would say is if you never start the test, you can't determine if it was successful or not. So My encouragement to anybody that is trying to waver on to niche or not, or to get narrow or not, just pick a niche. And then if it doesn't work, you can always pick another one. And so I think that's the main thing there. Do some homework. See if you like serving that industry. See if you like those type of business owners or those type of individuals, if that's your thing. And give yourself six months, 12 months, two years, whatever that is. And if it's not working out, nobody said you had to be the real estate guy for the rest of your life. I think that's the piece where you've got to give yourself some credit um, to try something new if it's not working.
0: Yeah, I know with us, we looked at, we already had an existing business with an established client base uh, that was very diverse. And so we could look at who do we serve really well? Who do we work with well. Who do we enjoy working with? Uh, Which of those industries are there more of that need our services or could benefit from our services? So that was one way that we looked at, okay, if we're choosing a niche, we're not going to just pick one. Mm -hmm. We're going to actually look at who are we already serving and who tell us (laughs) that we can see that they are actually benefiting from the services that we provide.
1: And I think the other thing there is who can afford us yeah. Um, you know, because that's the other piece where we don't run a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, some people may want to do pro bono or other things, um, but in our business, our business exists um, to do other things, like not all charity work. And so I think that's the other piece to keep in mind. If you do establish your niche, you also have to put some revenue Um areas in focus as well. So like for us, we do really well in offices that are 1.5 to $5 million in revenue because that provides a great level of budget for our services to come in and help the owners and the staff. So that's something to think about. Um, the other the other piece is some people don't end up picking a niche because they don't consider themselves an expert in that area. Um, and Pro tip, nobody is an expert when they start. Um, Anytime you start something new, you have to suck for a little bit or be open to not being the greatest at that. So what I would say, something that I've learned, uh, term is be aspirational. And so uh, you aspire to be an expert in that area and give yourself a little bit of credit. You're not lying. You are aspirational inspiring uh, to, to be that person. Because honestly, everybody gets imposter syndrome, everybody's going to deal with, I'm kind of full of it, I don't know all the answers to everything. But you're going, if you're a truly professional trying to invest in this industry that you want to serve, you're going to do everything you can to learn everything that there is about it, all the tax benefits, all the ways to serve them from an accounting perspective, all the best advice to give based on other scenarios you've seen. And you're going to study. You're going to see what is the best. And if you stay too general, you can't do that. You can't know everything about everybody. And so I think that's the other piece where if you aspire to be an expert, you're probably going to have a lot more success than if you stay general.
0: I think it's worth noting too, anyone who's an expert in something is continually learning they are continually trying to improve and to get better and to know more so that they can stay an expert because if you were an expert and you do nothing for the next year to five years you're no longer an expert in that industry so whether you know a little bit about that industry or a lot about that industry it's more about how committed are you to getting better and to serving those people i know that um, as well not just from the prospects prospecting um, position of talking to people and knowing who do we serve and who do we not serve within our firm, Um, but also from a marketing and reach, being able to reach new clients and new prospects. If we're just talking to everyone on the whole internet, no one hears us. So when we decided on a niche, then we could speak specifically into dental and medical professionals um, and veterinarians so that those people could find who they were looking for within our team.
1: Yeah, we've seen people that do this well and people that don't. So our friend Bruce, who was on the podcast a few episodes back, he he gave a percentage. He said about 20% of the phone calls we get are Ideal, ideal clients. And so I don't know any idea where we're at on that front as far as leads coming in and what.
0: I bet we're similar. Yeah. I bet we're similar because we talk about that. I say no a whole lot or refer on uh, prospects that come in. But I feel like now in the more recent years, say within the last two to three years, we're able to start talking with that client more because they found us based on our website or our social postings that are targeted to who we actually work with. So, more of these people could fit. It's a, at that point, it's do they want the services that we, do they want all the services that we provide since we only. Provide those in that way, but as far as pro- prospects calling in, a lot more fit into that ideal or what could be ideal um, than say eight years ago, nine years ago.
1: Yeah, back then it was everybody with in, a poll, Everybody and everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've talked to firms, and one firm I remember the conversation, and they're they're just up the road in Houston, and uh, I would say about six or seven years back, as we were kind of identifying the ideal client um, profile for DBA. They actually asked what our niche was, what we were going to go after, and then they proceeded to tell me, well, our focus is is small business owners and high net worth individuals, and that was kind of it. And then so I said, okay, what do you consider a small business? And they were like, well, anywhere from a startup to I think we have some in 100 million. I'm like, okay, wow. And then high net worth, and they were like, well, we really don't have a... Uh, A definition of high net worth. And so my immediate question was, who do you tell no? Like, who don't you serve? Because in my mind, like, you have just run the full gamut of everybody I know. Um, Maybe not a nonprofit or anything like those people maybe get disqualified, which I think they accepted those as well. Um, But the person that I asked that question, like, who's not a good fit? Just became silent. And I didn't mean, you know, hopefully I didn't make anybody mad. But I think they started to really think about like, our definitions way too broad. And nothing changed that person actually left the firm because there was no direction, and no vision for the firm. Um, So that's kind of, that's also something to worry about. Because if you can't define that and tell your team, who your ideal client is, how's your team supposed to know how to how to refer you or how to bring people in like just everybody I guess yeah. so
0: and I think too how would your team serve those new clients so I think what would happen in that scenario where every every client's a good client as long as they're willing to pay whatever our service fee is. Um, the team cannot become experts in anything. They're trying to figure out, you know, everything under the sun, trying to support these business owners with all kinds of different things. There's no similarities between any one business. They can't gain efficiencies. They can't gain expertise. Um, And so that's just another benefit of niching down and being able to provide the way our teams are structured of having certain teams that work on certain industries because they have that shared and acquired knowledge just from serving those clients. Yeah,
1: no, that's really good. I think the other thing to think about, as you go down this path of determining your niche, um, you get a lot of additional support if You actually support the industry you serve. And so you volunteer at events that support that industry. You could take dental, for example, and let's say there's a dental conference and the booths in that conference are a large investment. And then the ROI on that investment is not high. Um, So you could volunteer to speak and share knowledge that you have, be aspirational. Um, You could also volunteer just to, I mean, take out trash, do something. But I think that's that's the thing that people need to keep in mind is if you support the industries you serve, you're going to make connections, you're going to be around your ideal client, and eventually they're gonna come to know you better than you just spamming them or sending them flyers or whatever that marketing campaign looks like. Now you have to be open to having capacity to serve in some manner. But maybe that's how you feel like you're um, doing your goodwill as far as like your pro bono or your charity. <laughs> if you're actually serving and learning the pain points of that industry, you're going to develop so much faster as an expert um, than you could if you didn't volunteer.
0: And you, yeah, you develop those relationships because you're in the same place or in the same space. You're around those professionals in that industry. You're around the related professionals in that industry. So then maybe you're not in the same room with them, but somebody else that you were volunteering alongside of is in the same room with them every week or every other week. So that makes it really nice to where you're just multiplying your efforts even when you're not in the room.
1: Yeah. So we've talked about just pick one. Give yourself grace if that doesn't go well. Um, you've done some due diligence to know which one you want to pick. So set a timeline, pick one, move forward. So just pick one. Be aspirational in quotes. Uh, you're not a you're not lying. You're not a imposter. You truly do aspire to be an expert in that in that field. And then the third is uh, support the industry through volunteering. Now the other. Piece That we really didn't talk about. Um, But as you mentioned in an earlier podcast, I did go to a conference recently. So um, the other thing that I took away was be polarizing. (laughs) So be so set that you're polarizing and it's either a yes or a no. Not anything down the middle. You don't have any fence sitters. It is truly you are an ideal client, or you are not an ideal client. So if you can be polarizing, I would say that's that's what you that's what you really want. Whenever you do pick solely a niche, and you could have multiple niches, that that's a thing as well. Um, but be polarizing. That way, it's an easier off ramp for people that you don't need to keep talking to, or it's just a better prospect conversation to continue because you are the person that is the expert in that industry.
0: Yeah. And then just worth noting, you don't have to niche down. You don't have to do that. If you're not having issues with being able to provide value and give expertise to all of your clients, if you're not having issues with whoever is kind of the first point of contact in your office, knowing whether or not you serve that client. If you're not having issues with, you know, burnout within your team or kind of some discomfort or uncertainty within your team, then maybe you don't need to niche down. Maybe you're doing just fine and that's not something. But if any of those pain points exist, then maybe you look at Okay, who are we serving really well? Who who are the majority of our clients? Maybe you can just base it on that. We have a large volume of this type of industry. We serve them well. That's one of our niches. Um, We have our team structured in pods. And so that's how we're able to care for and have expertise in more than one area, not only dental or not only veterinarian. We can serve many and serve them equally well because we have um, kind of different subject matter experts right in those areas within our teams. So works out well.
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. So I would say until you've reached critical mass where capacity is the underlying factor, which a lot of firms, that, that is what leads them to, to have this. Once you do pick a path and move forward, your opportunities for growth and profitability and sustainability are so much so much higher um, once you do pick a niche. So that's why, that's why it keeps coming back around. That's why the riches are in the niches is a very uh, familiar uh, saying.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been a good conversation. Thanks for leading.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. Leave us a review with your thoughts, comments, and feedback on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.